0: You're listening to Daily Notes, presented by Home Sideways. On today's episode of Daily Notes, we journey to a galaxy far, far away, and we say hello to your little friend. Hello! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Say hello to my little friend! Beetlejuice. We are the Commando Elite. Everything else is just a toy. Do you understand? The words that are coming out of my mouth. Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? So you're just an old hacker like me, but disguised as an idiot. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. And here we go. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. My name is Adam. These are my daily notes where I have fun conversations about films. Today's conversation does take us back to 1983. We are celebrating the 40th anniversary of two films, a first time watch movie I've never seen before that I probably should have seen a long time ago. And we go, we revisit a childhood favorite in Star Wars The Return of the Jedi. The first time watch, of course, is Al Pacino's Brian De Palma's. Scarface. I don't know why I've never watched that movie for for whatever reason. It just slipped through my fingers, slipped through the grasp. I've seen countless clips, number of times on YouTube and, and movie clips, and it's a quite popular scene to see uh, for sure. So yeah we're gonna be talking about scarface star wars return of the jedi really excited uh welcome to the channel if this is your first time watching here on youtube if you're listening to the audio podcast welcome as well if you're listening to us if you're watching us on youtube you can find us on spotify stitcher pandora apple anywhere you find your podcast or podcast you guys can like share and subscribe there as well but if you're here on youtube hit that subscribe and hit that like button as well uh, so we can get Get, reach out to more uh, people out there. Usually, how I do things here, because this, this is the first time I'm really putting it out on YouTube, trying some a new format, if you will. Same sex, same style stuff, new format. So, Uh, If you are watching us, make sure you guys check the show notes so where you guys can find the two movies we're talking about today streaming so you guys can follow along, watch those movies as well. And if you're also on YouTube, make sure you guys leave us a comment and uh, let us know what you think about the two movies that we're discussing today in in this episode. So, all right. So our first review, I think we're going to go back to a galaxy far, far away. And, of course, we are talking about Star Wars, The Return of the Jedi. You will bring Captain Solo and the Wookiee to me. You can either profit by this or be destroyed. This is your last chance. Free us or die. Is Darth Vader my father? Your father is. Your father was seduced by the dark side of the Force. You must face Darth Vader again alien will be crushed and young Skywalker will be one of us. The Emperor's made a critical error and the time for our attack has come. General Solo, is your strike team assembled? Right. Chewie, uh. we'll see what this piece of junk can do. Endangering the mission, I shouldn't have come. Mm-hmm. Do you understand anything they're saying? And I do believe they think I am some sort of god. We are now a part of the tribe. <laughs> I know there is good in you. You don't know the power of the Dark Side. All fighters accounted for. All groups assume attack coordinates. Welcome, Yann Skyward. I have been expecting you. It's a trap! Take a base of action. Your fleet is lost, and your friends on the Indoor Moon will not survive. There is no risk. I will not turn, and you'll be forced to kill me. You must fight, then you will meet your destiny. Wars episode six, the return of the Jedi again celebrating its 40th anniversary. It's rated PG, comes on at uh, two hours and 11 minutes. And it is directed by Richard Marquand and it's written by Lawrence Casson and George Lucas. We also see the returning stars from the previous two entries in this OG trilogy Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Billy D. Williams returns from Empire Strikes Back. Of course, we got Anthony, uh, Anthony Daniels, James Earl Jones. Uh, Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca. Uh, Let's see. Um, There's so many people in this movie. I got to remember all of them. Frank Oz returns as Yoda. We got Alec Guinness back here as well. David Prowse returns as Darth Vader. We got to mention David Prowse here. Kenny Baker as well. Uh, One kind of big cast member from the uh, prequel trilogy specifically is pretty big there. But Ian McDermott comes in as Palpatine in Return of the Jedi. We had previously seen... I know that when they did the re releases, this is where it gets kind of sketchy. It's weird is that they kind of redid the guy's face <laughs> from the re in the re releases in 1997 with McDermott there. Uh, but uh, really pretty, uh, pretty awesome stuff here. Uh, Return of the Jedi is a classic film for me. I loved this movie growing up uh, from my childhood. I quite I watched this, quite possibly my favorite Star Wars film that I've ever seen growing up, and I, I really love the OG trilogy. If you've followed me any, for any, or know me, I, I really grew up on the Star Wars films. I, I got them before re- I received them for my birthday my, when I was turned five, and I watched them ever since. I yeah, got the action figures. My very first one came out of a box of Fruit Loops. Uh, that tells you something, uh, but it was just a great, uh, great film franchise that really kind of sparked the imagination and cre- creativity in me growing up. And when I watched The Return of the Jedi, it was definitely the most fun that I had watching any of the other films. I wasn't really into Empire Strikes Back. That, quite frankly, growing up was my least favorite. And, I, of course, now it's it's probably one of my favorite movies of all time. I really love Empire Strikes Back. I like the dark nature of the story there. But we're here to talk about Return of the Jedi, specifically this 40th anniversary. And I did watch it on Disney+. Plus and... I, I have to say it was so fun to kind of revisit this movie after so many years. I hadn't watched return of the Jedi. I, I have to say about maybe five years. It's been kind of a, a long time. Uh, I live in a household full of girls. So I was able to c- c- talk my daughter into watching return of the Jedi. She made a past job as palace and she said, okay, I'm, I'm kind of done. I, I, I love these movies. I grew up on these movies. I'm, I'm trying to convince my kids to like them as well. So, but anyway, Return of the Jedi, if you haven't seen it for quite some time, let's go hit up the synopsis on the old IMDb here. And of course, it says after a daring mission to rescue Han Solo from Jabba the Hutt, the rebels dispatched to Endor to destroy the second Death Star. Meanwhile, Luke scr- struggles to help Darth Vader back from the dark side. So we kick off this movie with, of course, uh, our favorite band of rebels trying to free Han Solo out of carbonite from the previous film. So that takes us back to Tatooine, the setting of the very first film, and we get to meet the notorious gangster Job of the Hutt. And I really liked this opening sequence here. We got some really co- cool, iconic sights and um, sounds to have here. I love the introduction of our the main two characters of that we see right off the bat. It's R2D2 and C3PO. They're just journeying through the desert once again, and this time their their journeys take them to Jabba's palace. The whole intro to Jabba and his palace. It's Eerie, it's creepy, and of course, you see this giant slug-like creature that is kind of revolting. And I think my favorite Star Wars has been parodied so much, but I, I have to go back to Space Balls. We have Pizza the Hut, uh, in that Mel that amazing Mel Brooks movie. So, of course, you get Job of the Hut. The Job of the Hut, we get to see him, which back in when I was a kid, the first time we saw Job of the Hut before they did the re-releases and the special editions, rather. Uh, This is the very first uh, sighting of that kind of now notorious character. Of course, I'm kind of referring to it in the special editions. They do kind of CGI him in a sequence in a new hope. Graphically, it's not the greatest piece of CGI work, but it it kind of moves the story along and you can understand why Jabba kind of held a grudge against Han Solo for so many years. And it kind of gives you that extra layer that you kind of need uh, when it comes to these characters, you get a little bit of extra backstory with them too. Uh, but the whole job palace sequence is really cool. You get, get a skin. See Boba Fett there and his interactions with the different people. There are some stuff I don't like about this sequence because I feel like George Lucas was able to put kind of his creative power back into it and kind of change things and add different um, sequences. Specifically, there's a song and dance number in here that it's, it's not really that good i don't like it uh to be honest with you and it's this you know not my cup of uh jawa juice i guess uh, if you, if you will uh, but overall the the jawa um jawa's palace sequence is capped off with an amazing um entrance of luke skywalker here who wants to bargain for han solo's life offers up our two favorite droids here but you know jawa does think the bakes bait so we go to the scarlack pit uh, the Scarlet Pit also in this sequence does kind of age here. Um, compared to the 40th the original uh version, we didn't get to see this really kind of interesting CGI look. I, I kind of dig what they did the change in this this scene, it makes a more menacing character, I guess. The, the CGI still doesn't age all that well in the 4K kind of transition here but i guess it does add something to the book of boba fett the tv show on disney plus which i can appreciate a little bit because at least they try to tie it in together the uh kind of the one thing i didn't like about this sequence here is after watching this i kind of wanted to see what happened if boba would have stayed out or not air quotes like killed by the scarlet pit and Book of Boba Fett not being the my favorite Disney Plus TV show. I think I've, The Mandalorian by far is pretty much everybody's favorite, but Book of Boba Fett is fine, but it, it, it kind of seems weak, especially after watching this movie. And I kind of know what is expecting with that character. Needless to say, there's some really um, other fun moments in here. And I have to go back to we have to go to Endor for our next kind of conversation piece because a lot of the hot topic of this movie that people don't really like is the Ewoks. Now watching here, I don't really mind it because, uh, I, again, I think I'm nostalgic for it, as from being one of my favorite ones in the franchise for so many years. And like I said, like this was the kind of the more easily accessible movie because there's a lot of fun moments here. It is, it moves at a pretty rapid pace. It's quick to easy to follow. You can understand where the characters' motives are. You kind of understand a lot of the character's directions. There's a lot of action sequences here where I feel like Empire is kind of the darker and it's a little more bleak and a new hope. There's a bunch of introductions to the character. So there's a lot of slow build to it. It's kind of plays more of a slower Western-y feel film where Return of the Jedi just pops you right into that action and you know what you're getting relatively faster than the other movies. I kind of a good comparison for me is like kind of the last crusade in the Indiana Jones franchise. It's really easy to follow. Get you right back into that action quite quickly compared to the other ones. And I actually liked last crusade a lot more than like films like Raiders or temple of doom at that time. I'm a big Raiders of lost arc fan now, but it's kind of like the same Let's kind of compare the two of trilogies in that aspect. Um, some things that, uh, Also really excited me watching this movie is that epic space battle that Billy D. Williams' Lando Calrissian does, you know, lead the charge of. It's a pretty awesome space battle. One of my favorites in the entire franchise. I think of other really cool space battles that the movie has given us. I think Rogue One has to be mentioned here. I think I deserved that movie deserves to have a rewatch done too. Cause I remember not being the biggest fan of that movie for whatever reason, but it's definitely worth a rewatch. One last thing we got to mention, of course, before we go into other little categories and topics, I want to talk about this movie, the final climatic battle between Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader with the uh, temptations of dark side, a superiority by Emperor Palpatine, a really great backdrop to kind of the, the battles within of from good and evil, you see the conflict and kind of Luke, he wants to try to save his father, but he's being conflicted and he just want his friends to die. And the temptation of the enemy is so, so sweet. And it tastes, it seems so like they're offering the world to you, but Luke with, you know, stands tall and, you know, takes down the evil forces. And even though he has, his dad does fall. At the hands of it, he does seem to redeem his father in these final moments, and it plays off so well. And I really love the uh, John Williams score, which plays over the top of this. And this, this score in this movie is rather good. I really like the even the, the even the songs from like the Ewok um, Ewok theme to the Jabba's Palace music as well. John Williams says once again a great job with this Star Wars score. That it's probably one of the best trilogy scores I would have to say ever by a director. So that's, that's the Lord of the Rings franchise. I can think of maybe the first three Harry Potters possibly up there. Uh, There's probably more uh, Godfather. Uh, I I can't really speak. I haven't seen two of the Godfather films, but anyway, uh, Star Wars, uh, John Williams, great, a great movie score there. Uh, We are going to go down to the uh, box office and the budget and all that fun talk and talk about some financials here, of course. Uh, This movie did come out May 25th, 1983. And the budget for the movie was $32.5 million. So a pretty big estimated um, budget there. And the opening weekend in the States and Canada, it it made $23 million At the box office in the states and Canada, the gross worldwide was four hundred seventy million dollars. No, let's just say the whole total: four hundred seven, four hundred seventy-five million one hundred six thousand one hundred seventy-seven dollars, to be exact. And uh, that's a lot of money, a lot of cheddar there. And, of course, it's uh, one of the biggest movies, franchises of all time, especially that OG trilogy. And I remember growing up, uh, seeing those special editions and being in the theater with my dad, and like, that cha- scene changed. So This is different. That's added. My dad's like, okay, enough. When we get it, you're a big nerd. And of course I was. I loved these movies. I grew up on them. And seeing um, these films on the big screen is some of the, my favorite movie experiences of all time. And seeing Return of the Jedi is right up there. As well. I always like to talk about the awards, the Oscar nominations, or other uh, movie awards that these films did get nominated. I do see we got a couple nominations and one win for Star Wars Return of the Jedi, the Academy Awards in 1984. It did win for special achievement in visual effects for Richard Edlin, Dennis Murren, Ken Raston, and Phil Tipton Tippett. So awesome win there for visual effects kind of deserving it's probably a kind of uh trilogy you know wrapping up get a, a special uh achievement award there it's also nominated for best art direction best sound best effects sound effects that is and best music original score for john williams some pretty ha- good nominations there no above the line nominations no acting no directing no writing or picture mind you like the you know a new hope did However, still showed up at the Oscars and got some more love than most Star Wars movies do get nowadays. So that's pretty awesome. Also got a couple of BAFTA nominations. Actually won for Best Special Effects, which is awesome. Got nominated for Best Makeup, Best Production, Art Design, and Best Sound. That's interesting. Why didn't they nominate the Makeup at the Academy Awards? That is a good question. Anyway. That's a conversation for a different day. Overall, uh, Star Wars Between the Jedi is one of my favorite movies in this Star Wars franchise. It's probably not as high as it was when I was a kid. It's probably like top four or five right now. I I haven't really done the math or the research or even the rewatches to uh, put that out there at this current moment. But I will say for sure, this is my favorite film from 1983. And that might be a spoiler for another film that I'm talking about in this episode. It's a three and a half star film out of four stars for myself. Um, I think re-watching it now, I think there is some stuff that it is very, there's some, some ugh, conveniences that do happen, and uh, some of the story beats are kind of iffy, and it's it's not as polished as I remember, but it's a, a very entertaining film that I thoroughly love, so it's uh, one of my favorite movies, uh, uh, my, one of my favorite childhood memories and movies that I can remember star wars between the Jedi is a fantastic film that i absolutely loved from my childhood but now it's time to talk about our very first time watch of brian de palma's scarface film that also came out in 1983 celebrating its 40th anniversary it's crazy to think that both these movies that we're talking about today came out 40 years ago it's such an iconic movie like scarface uh, it's just definitely got to be talked about me i want what's coming to me oh well, what's coming to you tony The world, chico, and everything in it. So Scarface came out in 1983 and it's a two hour and 50 minute move, a uh, long runtime there. It's rated R. Of course, it stars the great Al Pacino as Tony Montana, and Michelle Pfeiffer as uh, Elvira shows up here. We got Stephen Bayer, uh, Mary Elizabeth Mastrant. We also have Robert um, Loggia, Miriam Cologne, E. Murray Abraham, Paul Shiner, uh, to name a few, and I'm really horrible at pronouncing names, so I do apologize if my tongue has slipped on your last names. So I do apologize about that. But it is directed by Brian De Palma, and its writers are Oliver Stone with the screenplay. And of course, this is based off the 1932 film, so we get some uncredited screenplay um, credits here too for Howard Hawks and Ben Hiked from that 1932 Scarface original film. And if you haven't seen this movie in a long time, it, basically takes place in 1980s miami determined cuban immigrant takes over a drug cartel and succumbs to greed of course as they always do now i haven't seen this movie ever until a couple days ago and i wanted to sit on my thoughts because i feel like if i talk too soon about it I, I might you know not sound really great and i know this is an iconic movie that a lot of people do love and one of brian de Palma's palma's best movies too in his filmography and i don't know why i never watched it like i said i have seen that clip on youtube and other movies thousands of times before the say hello to my little friend it's an iconic piece of uh, cinema history it's uh, an iconic scene it's even on the daily notes uh, little intro if you're listening to on the podcast you would catch it there as well and it is it's uh, pretty remarkable as well so Uh, Scarface and what did I think about Scarface first off the direction by Brian De Palma he really captures that Cuban feel I feel in in Miami at that time it definitely is an 80s movie has that vibe and kind of charisma and machismo that uh, you would kind of get from these 1980s movies about these guys who were kind of man man manly men I guess and they would go over and try to take over stuff so I, I think Al Pacino also kind of embodies the kind of the feel of this movie Super charismatic guy. He has a crazy accent here, but who cares? It's it's Al Pacino as this um, cartel leader, a Scarface. He's uh, swinging charisma left and right and uh, getting women that he wants to. It's it's a very entertaining performance. Maybe not my favorite Pacino performance, but it is highly entertaining. Uh, he has everything going for him. He, he's larger than life in this movie, and it definitely shows by his uh, his outing as Tony Montana. Even though Al Pacino is so great, I don't think his performance would be nearly as good if he didn't have great supporting characters around him. Specifically, uh, what I, who I really liked a lot here was uh, Stephen Bayer. I think he gives a really good setup of per- performance that uh, doesn't overshadow Pacino's crazy machismo that he does, but also he's still just as charismatic as Pacino, but he's not as flashy or as, as vibrant or as bold or in-your-face, I should say, that's probably the better word, as you know what Montana is doing here Steven bayard does a really cool job here and uh, there's a lot to do and i kind of wish i would have seen more of what he is able to do because i think he was super talented and i probably have seen some movies that he had done We might check a look at that but michelle pfeiffer also uh, looks stunning as always here especially 80s pfeiffer is uh, amazing of course a lot of people, my first experience with pfeiffer was uh, batman returns came out in 1992 uh, the tim burton classic film she played Catwoman. it was an it's an iconic movie i uh i'm saying iconic quite a bit in this review uh but anyway it's an iconic performance from pfeiffer uh in batman returns but she's really good in this one as well she doesn't have as much to do she's not as showy or as uh her previous movies i have mentioned but it's really cool to see pfeiffer here i didn't really actually realize that was her uh because i maybe i hadn't seen anything pre-90s so probably a good possibility there so she didn't look like Michelle fiverr at first but now when the, I see it on IMDB she's in there of course it's her right so uh, scarface for me is a very entertaining watch it is a uh, highly uh there's a lot of really cool high functioning scenes here that uh, really play uh, really well for the first time watching it, it might not be my favorite movie about the cartel or this kind of this era and I think part of that is because uh, the pacing of it for me it seemed kind of uh, dragged a little bit in the middle and again this is my first time watching mind you so i think if i watch it again i kind of know what i'm expecting i think in my head when you you see an iconic movie that's beloved and we have people on our website who've given given it like four stars and, and i'm here like okay i've never seen it let's go watch it and i'm like that was good but is it like am i missing something it's a great i, I think it's super entertaining and it's one that i definitely want to watch again because i think Pacino is electric in here and again i like stephen bayer too there's really a lot of cool things like my favorite scene that i can uh, think of all the to- uh, other than the iconic scenes that you have seen is there's a scene here where they go and they have to try to get some money after this guy and they have some switch some products and Pacino's feeling this guy out and he's feeling him out eventually tables turn on Pacino and uh, his brother and there's a chainsaw involved there's some torture going on it is straight up bonkers and I love that shootout and how everything it turned out and I was like oh we're in for a, a ride here and it definitely to this movie definitely takes you on a ride I think Brian DePaulman does a really good job with his direction here and it's uh it is such a such a piece of cinema because you know he's known known for this movie, and you know what? we're going to take a little Brian De Palma detour on here because I I can't really picture him other movies that he's attached to. So let's take a look at I think is that one of the first times that you're like a director. You can't think of anything else that he's done of no, note, but you just know like he, without even watching the movie, it's like yeah, that's a that is a Scarface's director. But Brian De Palma, we're looking at IMDb filmography here. Okay, he has a 2006 movie named Black Dahlia, which I've kind of always wanted to see. I heard mixed things about it. Uh, I've seen the 2000 Mission to Mars, Snake Eyes, the Nicolas Cage movie. And there it is right there, Mission Impossible. I totally forgot that he directed Mission Impossible in 1996. The Carlito's Way is another movie that I have not seen. 1993, I might have to make that happen because that's going to be an co- interesting first time watch as well. Uh, that's Untouchables. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a movie I missed last year, 1997, Untouchables yeah, so he's things he's did some bangers of movie movies there. I really like Mission Impossible. Mission upon Mars. I have to I't I saw that when I was a kid. so so that was the only other movie that I'd seen. So now I've seen three De Palma films, uh, Mission Impossible, uh, Mission to Mars, and Scarface, of course. I think if I had to rank those three films just off merit alone, Scarface would have to be up there as my favorite one, then Mission Impossible and Mission to Mars. Definitely interested to see more of his works because I think he does bring a, a creative energy and vibe to his movies I definitely feel highly energetic. Uh, but like I said, it, it has that vibe during some sequences for me. I do feel like it does drag a little bit. Again, I, I definitely need to, I feel like I need to see this movie again because I. Th- the the third act is bonkers nuts i think there's sequences in this the first act that i really love as well They said middle act for whatever reason i just like there was like an, a 45 minutes it was like okay i want to see some more I, I this is the kind of a lot of good build-up for his character in it, of 20 montana i get the thing i want to see some of those iconic sequences and that's probably my head it's like i i gotta i gotta get another watch in there because uh Maybe my expectations maybe were a little higher than probably you know. Maybe I should have made them. It's still a really good, entertaining movie. And I think I'm at three out of three stars for this movie right now. I think it's still it's in my top uh, top five films of 1983. Uh, but let's go to that box office and budget to talk about the financials of this movie, like we do every episode. This movie did come out December 9th, 1983, so right at Oscar season there. Funny enough, I don't think it got any Oscars or awkward but the budget here is 25 million dollars and the opening weekend in u.s and canada alone it made forty-five million four hundred eight thousand seven hundred three dollars so it made it budget its budget and 20 million dollars more over budget so that's amazing there oh no wait i am totally reading the wrong line they did not make that much money at opening weekend that's how much it made in the states overall opening weekend here came out this um was four million five hundred ninety-seven thousand. That's a big number. That's a big difference there. So, the opening weekend in U.S. and Canada was four million five hundred ninety-seven thousand five hundred thirty-six dollars gross worldwide. Though is sixty-five million 80, five eighty-eight hundred and four thousand seven hundred three dollars. So, it did make its budget. It uh, probably had some of that time with uh Al Pacino's name attached to it and that iconic performance there. Again. It is a top-rated movie on IMDb at number, I think, what was it? I don't remember. I missed it. I skipped past it. Let's go take a look. IMDb has it as a top-rated movie at number 107 on their rating scale here, so really high up there. I'm looking at the awards, and it has eight nominations overall. The, The Golden Globes had nominated this movie for Best Performance by an Actor in a Motion Picture Drama for Al Pacino, Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role, Uh, motion picture, Steven Bayer and best original score by uh, Giorgio Amorador. Um, again, that, um, anyway, really awesome score that I forgot to mention, but yeah, the score was really good. It's really kind of gets that kind of feel going as well. So I really liked that. The uh, motion picture sound of sound editors did nominate this movie for best sound editing, sound effects, but funny enough, Razzie award nominated movie here. And this is interesting. Brian De Palma, worst director nomination at the razzies very interesting uh take there razzies would not have suspected that be a nomination for you guys but anyway that is my quick takes on scarface really enjoyed this All right, guys. Well, that's my quick thoughts on Star Wars for the Jedi and Scarface. Both came out in 1983, celebrating their 40th anniversary. Uh, Pretty uh, great. uh, Pretty good movies there. I really liked liked both of them. I I think, like I said, Scarface. I said this a couple times. I definitely want to watch that again. It it made me really want to watch it again because I felt like, am am I missing something? Is there something bigger and grander? And I think I I would probably appreciate it even more that second time watching it. So I'm really excited for uh, future watches of that movie. And of course I'm a big Star Wars fan, so you know I'm going to watch Return of the Jedi again. All right, next week's episode, big episode. It's my birthday weekend. It's my birthday. This episode should be dropped. That next week's episode should be dropping on February 11th, which, yeah, it's my birthday. Pretty excited about it. So we're going to be all nostalgia on you. We are doing a first time watch of Johnny Depp's film, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Really excited for that episode. I bought the Criterion. And we're also going to do a uh, try to do a rewatch of Rush Hour. But that's not why I was excited for it. Because on my birthday in 1998, mind you, this, this is a 1998 episode, I watched a little movie called Spice Girls. No, I watched a little movie called Spice World. Really excited to revisit Spice World. I bought it on DVD. I found it on Amazon somehow. And yeah, it's going to happen. I am so excited for that watch. So uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, again, thank you so much for your support. If you guys would like to see uh, videos of this review here, make sure you guys check the show notes. You can follow us on YouTube and join the conversation in the comment section over there and just give us a subscribe. We would really appreciate to grow that YouTube channel with our clips of this audio podcast as well. Until next time, guys, I will. My name is Adam and I'll see you at the movies. Bye.